Alex, we got a bit of a dark topic this week. Yeah, but I think it's an important one. I think it's something that we really want to dive into a little bit in our podcast and know that or have our listeners know that we look at the serious issues in the world as well. Yeah, I almost think like we should start out the show with like some spooky music. I don't know. What do you okay. think? Like okay, a little I, Halloween in uh, May kind of situation? Halloween in May. Interesting theory. Um, I, I can try to spook it up a little bit, but I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me do more work here on the editing side. Well, today we are going to talk about, on Mix It Up in a Pot, the shittiest things in the world. Yeah, what's fucked up in this world? And a little disclaimer before the episode. This is our opinion. This is my thoughts. This is Matt's thoughts. This isn't 100% how uh, everything is in the world. This is kind of some things that we've done a little bit of research. We've seen in our own research of news and research of happenings in the world. So we don't mean to or want to offend anybody uh, with our opinions or with our takes. And so just wanted to make sure that it's clear that these are just our thoughts from our perspective on how these issues are. We don't necessarily have solutions for these issues. That's part of the reason why the world is still dealing with all of them. But we definitely have some suggestions on maybe some ideas on how to deal with this. And I think we're going to start that right about now. So, Matt, I want to ask you the question of all questions here on Mix It Up in a Pod. This is, this is a big episode, as you kind of alluded to in the intro. What is fucked up in this world? Um, so my goal of this episode is to convince you that you are a murderer. Convince me that I'm a murderer? Yeah, you. Like, I'm going to convince you that you and I are murderers. I've never con- I've never killed anybody. I've killed some bugs and yeah, a rabbit well, once. You know, maybe and a I'll fish drop on occasion on when you. they swallow the hook like I'll drop the bomb on you that we're murderers. So dropping a bomb is subsequently murder. Yes. But later in the episode, we will go over this. Okay. Disclaimer Wikipedia was my source for a lot of these, so take me <laughs> with a grain of salt. Uh, can't use it on an actual like paper for college, so but yeah, decently I, decent info. Okay, decent. Good, yeah, it was, I mean it's good for some basic facts and such. And there's a few different things I think we're gonna hit on. We're not gonna go super in depth on all of these topics, but I think we each kind of came up with a list of topics that we think are some problems in the world some problems that humanity as a whole faces and something that certainly needs to be solved. And it is a challenge to solve them. So that's part of the reason why we, we are have to talk about them in the first place because they're still occurring. So I don't know. You want to kick it off or do you want me to kick it off? Yeah, we'll start off light. We'll start off light with one of mine. So one, one of the shitty things I found was farming chocolate farming chocolate 
farming chocolate. Do you know how chocolate's farmed, Alex? Well, I know a lot of it comes from Central and South America. And I'm uh, guessing... You were actually incorrect. Really? Uh, a source on the website said that 80% comes from the Ivory Coast in Africa. Oh, interesting. Okay. But there well, is a significant in South America. So okay. Yeah, I'm not entirely wrong, but I'm still kind of wrong. I'm going to guess... Well, I mean... Yeah. I'm gonna yeah, guess... I mean you're wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait, let's move. <laughs> let's move past my wrongness and into the topic. I am gonna guess though that part of the issue of why farming chocolate is such a bad thing in this world is because the labor is not well compensated for. You are partially correct. Did you know that all chocolate is farmed by hand? I did not know that. No machines. No tools. They cannot use a machine because basically it comes out of, I'd probably say like a child football sized fruit and kind of that shape where it's sort of like a oblong kind of thing. So they get a machete, cut the bean out, and then they place it in a pile under like, uh, like palm leaves and let it ferment for a few days in the field. Oh. So basically... You know, the farmers themselves are fucked. They can't, like, we in America have machines that can farm things way more efficiently than a guy with a scythe could do for corn and stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. They do not have that advantage at all. Super fucked. <laughs> but, but, so farmers are not compensated well because they're so early in the supply chain that there's, like, no value creation at that, all that i could see that i mean the business side of what comes after farming the product itself and moving it through the processing and the commercialization and commoditization of it, of all of these objects and all of these goods that's where i think yeah you're right a lot of people are going to get screwed over in the money aspect the crazy thing I found, which I don't know if it's true, it's the internet, you know, take me with a grain of salt. They said that most farmers actually have never tasted the end product. <laughs> they didn't even give them a sample? It's so far down the line that they don't even know what it's for. Wow. <laughs> how disconnected how, is that? How, I mean, how would you feel if you put all your work into harvest, growing and harvesting this good and then you don't even know what it becomes and you just know white people buy it <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's it's insane and you think that the small part of your kickback is like gold because that's all they know is that price but most they don't, of these they don't guys know how much make, money that this chocolate is really worth these guys make like a dollar a day kind of money is what we're talking about it's because like it's by hand right so like you yeah. need a lot of laborers to like per acre it's just not efficient at all yeah and it probably takes a lot of time you have to ferment the thing for god's sakes it's crazy you know but this actually so, so go ahead yeah. finish oh no you're good go well, i was just gonna say this leads into one of my topics about what i think is fucked up in the world and I will say I focused a lot on our country here in the United States and kind of some of the topics there. But I have one, one a topic at the end that kind of looks at a global perspective. But my first few kind of focus in on the United States 
And that is the minimum wage versus living wage argument that has been just completely bombarding our economy for years and decades even. And how, especially through the pandemic, there were people making more money being unemployed at home versus their actual job that they were laid off from or furloughed from. And now there's people who don't want to go back to work because they can make more money sitting at home through unemployment instead of getting a job out in the economy and out in society. That's fucked up. It's pretty fucked up. I I know that other socialist countries like in the Scandinavian region have actually faced this problem since they're super socialist. They found out that young people would just rather sit home all day and collect the money <laughs> and play League of Legends. Yeah. All day, which I know like three people that did during COVID. Got laid <laughs> off, just played League of Legends for six months. And got paid. And got paid. A I living mean, wage. And that I mean that's that's something that I think this company or this ah, not company, this country full of companies and these companies essentially are going to have to address soon enough. You've seen all of the posts recently and all of the issues behind so many like fast food and just service industry companies and businesses having to close down or have limited hours because they have limited workers and they have all of these positions open for hire. And there's so many people in unemployment, but they don't want to go and work for the minimum wage because they know that minimum wage is not going to be beneficial to them in the lifestyle that they are now living with an unemployment check coming in. The massive bomb that Gob dropped, which this is actually good news for normal people. Walmart is starting to pay people $15 an hour. Yep, they're matching Amazon. But it just absolutely destroys all of these mom and pop shops because they're like, now I have to pay $15 an hour. I don't have a choice. Yeah, I mean, it makes more sense for those. It's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's like a catch-22. You know, it destroys, like, I'm definitely more for the worker side of they should, like, get those earnings. But I also understand that, like, these people that just got wrecked by COVID, you know, you just lost all your savings to keep yourself afloat. And now you can't hire anybody unless it's $15 an hour. It's kind of a tough pill to swallow. It's difficult. And especially because those large companies like Walmart and Amazon and those large organizations, they have the money to back it up. They are like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's going to cost us a little more, but we're still making more money. So it's not going to matter that much. Walmart was like, hey, what if we just became a bank? You know, that's how much (laughs) money they have around. They're like, what if we just became a bank? (laughs) <laughs> I think it's a good idea. I don't know. And I mean, we could go on and on about what's fucked up in the economy, especially in the United yeah. States. That I mean, that could be a whole like series. That could all be a whole season of episodes. But that's just something that I think has been a very big issue over the last few decades. It's become a little more prominent with the pandemic, and it's something that is going to need to be addressed soon. So we're on the business side of stuff. What if we went back with this business case and looked at my cacao farmers? Okay. So you have some land, right? And you're a cacao farmer. And just so you know, you can only grow chocolate within 15 to 20 degrees of the equator, which happens to be where the rainforests are. (laughs) So you own, say you own like 100 acres, right? 
and you're like, I want more land. But then you say to yourself, I'm going to have to cut down some of these forests. Some people would call them rainforests. And you want a better life for yourself, right? And then uh, these Karens from United States say, well, you can't cut down the fucking rainforest. We need those. And then Joe Schmo here in the fucking Ivory Coast that makes a dollar a day says, well, like, I I can't get a raise. I... <laughs> I'm just stuck with the same old, same old here. I can't, I can't, it's a paradox. You can't get more revenue without cutting down rainforests, which people that are rich hate to see. But the people who are rich and don't want the rainforest cut down want more chocolate. Exactly. Like we, uh, we, uh, repetitions, uh, circular, it's, it's all connected. Yep. Yes. Yep. You yes. get on the Ferris wheel, you keep them on the Ferris wheel. <laughs> They're, there's they're saying we want more Hershey's Kiss chocolate, but we also don't want you to cut down rainforests. So sorry. And we're not going to give you the money you actually work for because we want to profit profited too. Yeah, and the countries can't really protect those workers because the governments actually are corrupt and don't care. I don't know. They don't help them. And the United States can't be like, well, you have to pay those guys more because you know they're in North America and. Most of the chocolate comes from Africa. So what? what's your jurisdiction, you know? I mean, the United States does have a history of trying to be judge and jury for most of the world in a lot of cases, but... It's true. It's true. I don't, I, you're right. There's a limited amount of power there. Judge and jury when we want to. <laughs> but when it comes to cheap chocolate, we like to keep it cheap, so... Okay, okay. Speaking of judge and jury, I think you have kind of another big topic related to that on what's fucked up in this world. Do you want to do you want to dive into that one? You told me you went down a pretty big rabbit hole. I so I I do before we get there, before we get there. That's like my grand finale. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't so want I, I, to jump to it too soon then. What if I told you, Alex, that slavery didn't end in the 1800s or the 1900s? You're Would like, you be surprised? Honestly, no, which is kind of a sad thing. Are you talking about modern day slavery or what if I told you slavery didn't end the United States in the Civil War? Well, I mean, I know it took a while for it's not over yet, to... bud. We still gotta fight the fight. We're still we're still working on slavery. Please explain. Okay, so if you're a criminal, you don't have rights anymore. And you I figured, can I figured this is where it was going. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah exactly. Okay. Yep. All right. This is where it's going to start. We're going to start <laughs> here. Uh, so if you're a prisoner in the United States, let's say you, you're in prison in California, sunshine and love, right? Not if you're a criminal. Fuck you if you're a criminal. If you're a criminal, go fuck yourself. Because you're going to prison for life. You're going to work for free in a factory. And you're going to get paid 80 cents an hour. How does that sound? I mean, they're getting significantly in... below a living wage. Yes, that that really <laughs> does not sound like you can make a good living off of that. It sounds I... significantly below minimum wage. A figure I saw, which has, you know, take me with a grain of salt, totally just, I am just pulling We're numbers. lining up a lot of grains of salt here throughout this podcast. Yeah, well, I'm a salty guy, sir. I saw $100 million of revenue went to California based off of prisoner 
slave labor. And it's not slavery in the sense that the people own people. It's basically like the agreement is so in favor of one individual that is essentially slavery. Gotcha. And that's pretty much how the modern day kind of works is from what I've read. Like you can't really buy and sell a person with like a document because it's illegal in all countries or technically. But doesn't stop there because that's only in the U.S., what if we go back to those countries where uh, you know cacao farmers are making a dollar a day? I, I doubt they give a fuck, you know? Those countries actually just sign agreements with like children and women, and then they essentially are owned by a corporation and work very cheaply. Extremely cheaply. I mean, yeah, you hear about, like, the Chinese sweatshops and child labor laws being very the different. crazy thing is China isn't nearly as bad as Africa. If I, oh, I, that, that I believe. If you pulled up, there's, like, organizations that uh, try to track this. I, I don't really know how you would track this, but they attempt. Africa is very bad. Uh, it's essentially one of the worst ones. Southeast Asia is also pretty bad. Mongolia has a surprising amount of essentially corporate uh, slavery. North, Northern South America does as well, which probably leads to like uh, the Venezuelas, the, the kind of like dictatorship countries. And the government just kind of allow it to happen. It's really sad. Well, I think, Part of the reason the government allows it to happen is because of what kind of ties into my next topic is just the corporate power, not just in the United States, especially. It's kind of, again, my focus in the lens, but globally, the corporate power. Um, one of my easy examples is the opioid crisis here throughout the United States with Purdue Pharma and the Sackler family and how. Oh, my God, you they, named them. <laughs> I did. Oh I did. no, dude. You're going to get a cease and assist and a letter in your mail. Well, Sackler family scary, man. They've been, they've been found guilty. It, I mean, they can't really do much. I'm just <laughs> That's I'm true. just That's I'm just true. reading news headlines. Like <laughs> <laughs> they can't do shit about like the so the headline I read is that they've been trying to make a plan where they can pay off all of their fines over the next few years rather than just a giant lump sum. And then they're going to be – then there was another uh, aspect of it where they're going to file for bankruptcy through Purdue Pharma. So, like, their family is protected and all their money is fine. And Purdue Pharma's money is, like, going down with the ship kind of shit. And it's just completely fucked up because they have enough money to do it. They have the corporate power and the lawyers – and they can just weasel and wiggle around all of these different issues and be like, oh, yeah, we got off scot-free. Oh, sorry, we killed like half a million people with our drugs and we lied to doctors and healthcare providers about the effects of them. But it's OK. We're still rich and we paid some people off. Not to mention they incentivize doctors to write more prescriptions. Yeah. Again, that's one of many, many examples. But the corporate power it's kind of like what we went back to earlier saying that it's just going to bump out a lot of these mom and pop businesses and these small startups and these small companies that are just family owned businesses and such. It's not something that 
the economy was designed to rein in. It was designed, in my opinion, a lot of ways the economy was designed to boost them up, and it has, but it's also boosted them to a level where it may be difficult to bring them back down to your, down to earth, and they have a little too much power in the game. Those rich families like that, they can essentially distribute their wealth between one family member to another tax-free through death. Because if you hold assets in a company, when you die, the new holder of the asset only gets taxed on the gains. Like uh, when you die, it becomes, say, you bought it 10, and when you died, the price was 1,000. Insane gains, right? Yep. Well, for your estate person, their new level is a thousand. So they only get taxed when it goes from a thousand to like fifteen hundred. Huh. They don't get taxed on the ten to one thousand jump that you just made. It's tax free. You escape the system. And Biden wants to get rid of that and tax the shit out of them. And basically tax the rich, right? Yeah. But all the rich are crying about it because they say, well, if I make $400,000, how am I supposed to make contribute back to the economy? And most of us are saying, boo fucking who? Um, we don't even have $400,000 in assets. So fuck you, dude. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I hate rich people. I also want to be one one day, but I hate them. So <laughs> I, I mean, I also would like to be very, very wealthy. But I feel I hope that we can get to a point where we are much better types of rich people than some of the ones we currently see in the world. It's kind of crazy that my model rich person is Jeff Bezos's ex-wife, you know, like that's this <laughs> she got rich by marrying Jeff Bezos and she's way more better at giving her money back to society than all the other billionaires. Oh, absolutely. It's so stupid. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing. So the rich, that's what's fucked up in the world. The rich are pretty fucked up, and, you know, they could they could stand to be a little bit better. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying, you know. And we're saying. Okay, Alex. Is it about that time? I got one more. It's It kind of sets yours up. Uh, it's a little bit dark, but it's something that our nation is severely plagued with and that is mass shootings slash school shootings and it's just ridiculous how many shootings you hear about and then how many happen that you don't hear about i mean just a couple weekends ago there was like six different mass shootings across the united states and you didn't hear about any of them until monday and they all happened over the course of a weekend and it's just i don't know it's it's obviously a, just a very horrible and disgusting topic and very difficult because it's such a consistent occurrence in our nation. And I believe with how certain media outlets have reported these and how certain sides, quick side tangent, the Democrats and the Republicans, both parties are completely fucked up in this world too. Like that's, that's another easy one you can pick on. But the consistency at which we see reports of mass shootings and the occurrence of mass shootings i think we've honestly as a nation just become numb it's like oh yeah all right it's another tuesday another mass shooting all right another thursday another mass shooting oh this was a school shooting okay we haven't had one of those since last month okay darn like that's 
horribly disgusting that we are just at a point in society where it's, we shrug off the killing of multiple people by somebody just walking around with a gun. And there's all sorts of the gun rights issues and the gun reform issues that we don't necessarily need to get in with. But I, I just think that's something that our nation in particular being, as we put it, the best country in the world and being one of the wealthiest and most prominent and diverse countries in the world should be better at. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think since probably April 1st, just since then, I, there's just been an ins- absolutely flabbergasting amount of shootings everywhere. Yeah, and the worst, the, pa- the worst part is that one of the first things to come back since the pandemic has kind of lifted and things are opening back up, one of the first things to come back is fucking mass shootings. That was one of the first things to happen. How is that one of the things we get back to as a country after going through an entire year of shutdown? I remember when we shut down in March of 2020, that was one of the first months without a school shooting of some form or another in like five or six years prior to that, which is ridiculous. And one of my most horrific and most hated uh, statistics that I've ever seen of all time is fall 2018 bulletproof backpacks were the number one selling back to school item for middle school kids, high school and elementary school kids, bulletproof backpacks. You could not pay me to go to middle school and high school right now because I would be fearful of a, of a mass shooter or a, a gunman coming into the school. Yeah, it's, it, it literally is insane. I, I am kind of under the opinion that we really need to look at things, not just from how do we sell the guns, but how do we just stop this? There's obviously mental health issues going on outside of just owning a gun, right? How do we like figure out how to fix those? And that, that comes from more community support, more community uh, wellness programs. And there's just no money being funded into that stuff. And then you get the money funded into all these other things, which some help, some don't. But there's other ways to handle some of these problems. And I think that's, again, like you mentioned, something the country needs to look at. But that that's just one that I had to get off my chest. And that's, that is really fucked up in this world that immediately after the pandemic restrictions open back up, mass shootings is what we get back to as, a, as the United States, as a nation. That is sickening. No, I definitely, I agree with you 100%. I was actually in Denver and there was a shooting in Colorado Springs. While yeah, the there. birthday party one. Yeah. Just yeah. the other weekend. It, I like, I got home to the hotel. Well, it wasn't a hotel, it was a hostel. But I got home to the hostel at the end and I, I saw it and I was just, it kind of just brings something in your gut. You're just like, I, I'm not there, but I'm close. It, it, it's a, it's almost in your backyard at that point. Yeah. And normally I mean, for like us in the Midwest, it's, it's always hours away or on the other side of the country but... or another state. And yeah, yeah, you don't feel it as much, but you see all the news stories, you see all the stuff on Twitter and social media and you feel bad. And you're like, wow, that sucks. Another mass shooting. But then that's where it stops as a nation in general. We're just like, Oh, that sucks. Okay move on to Wednesday, move on to Thursday, move on to Friday. Oh, another one. That sucks. 
Okay, it's the yeah. weekend now. Oh, there's a couple of them this weekend. Ah, bummer, man. I really, really wish that people wouldn't have to die so much. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I think, I mean, really, most of the fall, it has to go to politics, right? I mean, they are the leaders of change. And I, I don't really believe that they're thinking about it. I I mean, they were more focused with figuring out if Liz Cheney should be head of some just because she supports just because she doesn't support a former president that everybody and, who's sane kind of wants to move the party off of and everybody who's insane kind of wants to keep the party. I mean, I'm not trying to pick sides too much here, but there's a good amount of the Republican Party that thinks they should go in another direction. The, the crazy thing was, is they pulled the Republican Party and some people were saying, you know, I went home to Nebraska. It was a Nebraska senator. She said, I went home. Nobody asked me about this. I was home for a week. Zero people asked me about this. You know who's really upset about this? We are. And we need to get over it. <laughs> she said, this is just stupid. Nobody's talking about this but us. We're talking about it. Yeah, so, it's all of the House representatives and the senators. I, it makes no sense. Why do we care if she's the number three in charge Republican or not? That doesn't make a difference on their votes to pass laws. I was more confused that she was the daughter of Dick Cheney, and I was like, how fucking old are you? <laughs> that was my question. And my second question was, how did the head of a chair come from Wyoming? Because there are only cows there. Fact. True fact right there, yeah. True fact. Well, that's quite a tangent from this question that I'm going to ask you because it's it's going to be a Debbie Downer. I'm not going to lie to you. All right. Well, what's nice is we've saved our random stories of the week for the end of this episode, so we can end on a that's high true. note. That's true. We can end on a high note because you've got a kind of a rabbit hole. I've got one last thing to kind of lighten up as we go into the end of the episode, but this, I know you got a big bomb to drop. So let's, let's hear it. So I'm going to drop the bomb on everybody, but I will tell you how it is to live at a hostel in Denver afterwards. So you have something to look forward to. Okay, Alex, what if I told you that you and I are murderers? I wouldn't believe you. I have not killed any person in my life other than with my good looks. What if I told you that it doesn't matter that you didn't do anything, but it was the fact that you did nothing that makes you a murderer? Okay. So... What kind of nothing have I not done? Deathpenalty.org only lists 20 people since around 1970 area that have a pretty good case for being innocent and they were executed 20 people that uh i want you to like people at home really think about that i want you to sit in the courtroom and you are a nervous wreck you didn't commit the crime but you're confused you may not be educated in law you don't know what's happening the policeman came at you quick with questions and made you sign a confession and you were convicted of murder or some other stupid capital crime and sentenced to death. Here's some facts for you. Nine of those 20 came from Texas. 
So don't move to Texas. I mean, if anybody, my... if anybody's going to run rampant with the death penalty and just execute willy nilly and not really fully check who is innocent and who is guilty of and deserving of it, then it'd be Texas. It'd be Texas. Surprising amount of them were minorities, mostly black or Hispanic people. Not all of them, not all, but it did, definitely a significant amount. Several were convicted on circumstantial evidence. Circumstantial evidence basically means I hired a guy to testify and he drew a couple of points together and boom, you're guilty. We took him at his word. We took him. We said, they, hey, they Alex. Didn't give, they didn't give the grains of salt that they've been giving you, Matt. They said, you know, Alex has mud on his car and we ran tests and that mud came from Arkansas and a girl was murdered in Arkansas. So Alex is the killer. That's basically and how do you run a test to know that it's from Arkansas? I don't know. You could, you could know. be a lawyer, Matt. I thank you. Thank you. I thought about it. I thought about it in the past. Another life, maybe. But so that's basically what happened to these guys. Fucking that fucking sucks that somebody just made a better argument that you were guilty and guess what? You're guilty now because your lawyer was court court ordered. One was offered a plea deal of 20 to 25 years as an accomplice, rejected it. He thought he was innocent. The prosecution says, oh, yeah, fuck you. You're getting capital crime, motherfucker, as an accomplice. And the jury convicted him. Oh. This is very similar to a situation that Michael was telling me about the other day. There's this guy in Nebraska who's in jail. Because he was found guilty of aiding and abetting in a manslaughter case. And the guy who actually did the killing, he, his trial went second. So the guy who's in jail, his trial went first. He was the aide of it because he was in the car or whatever the situation was. And the guy who shot and killed the person didn't testify for the first guy. And so the jury found him guilty of aiding the crime and he's in jail. Then when the guy who shot and killed the other person and committed the potential crime, he was found not guilty and it was deemed a reasonable shooting or a self-defense shooting or something like that. So the state of Nebraska and the, and the court found that there was no crime committed because they justified the shooting. And so that the shooter gets to walk free, but the other guy's still in jail because you can't get a pardon for uh you can't get a pardon in nebraska unless you plead guilty and he didn't plead guilty because he didn't do the crime and now the court has also seen the crime as not even a crime because they justified the shooting and he's still in jail it's pretty stupid that you can't get a pardon unless you plead guilty that makes no sense and the court said that it wasn't even a crime how can you write a wrong unless you say you're innocent, and they go, we want to write this wrong. But, oh, wait, we can't because you said you were innocent. So, sorry, you're stuck. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. But it, it just aligned really well with what you were saying. Luckily, it's not the capital punishment in your like your cases. Yeah, I found out that apparently you don't even have to have a unanimous jury to get capital punishment. Really? That just seems kind of fucked up. It's just up. a majority? Like, 
apparently for some of these guys, it was a majority, like oh nine my. out of 12, maybe. Oh my gosh. And I just thought, how fucked up is that? What if it was nine out of 12 and three people said, no, I don't think so. I, I don't think this guy's guilty. And he dies because of that <laughs> verdict still. I mean, that's just. Well, did you see, I mean, in addition to your capital punishment, I think I sent you this, that South Carolina has now added a firing squad to their death penalty regiment. Uh, you can die by firing squad now in South Carolina. They're one of four states that you can die by firing squad in. I have some quotes too to really make you really make you think about the death penalty. Are you ready for him? Go for it. The death penalty is not about whether people deserve to die for the crimes they commit. The real question of capital punishment in this country is do we deserve to kill by Brian Stevenson? But what then is capital punishment but the most premeditated of murders to which no criminal's deed, however calculated it may be, can be compared? For there to be equivalence, the death penalty would have to punish a criminal who had warned his victim of the date at which he would inflict a horrible death on him and who, from that moment onward, had confined him at his mercy for months, even years, paraphrasing. Such a monster is not encountered in private life by Albert Camus. And I have two more. Okay. Under what circumstances is it moral for a group to do that, which is not moral for a member of that group to do alone? From Robert A. Heinlein. And my last one. But secondly, you say, society must exact vengeance and society must punish. Wrong on both counts. Vengeance comes from the individual and punishment comes from God. Victor Hugo. I really like that last one. Yeah. No, those are really interesting quotes. To I mean, when looking the, at when the looking one at the just describing capital punishment, I was like, wow, that is kind of fucked up when you yeah frame it like that. Got yeah. a really good case. I don't know. <laughs> that's one thing that's fucked up in this world. I mean, so Alex, you and I are murderers. We are murderers because we do not do anything about it. Capital punishment is—I don't know if it's—is it legal in Nebraska? Yeah. See, we allow capital punishment to stay happening, and by allowing innocent men to die, we are all guilty of murder. There's obviously the argument of when they're not innocent. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not but, necessarily saying I'm for capital punishment. Don't don't get me wrong here. I, that, yeah. It's a very not I, great thing by any means. I, I, I totally get it. I totally get that somebody does a terrible thing. They, they kill a whole family. They fucking eat their guts or some weird ass shit, you know? And you say, I want to kill them. But what if you got the wrong guy? You can't fix uh, execution. Oh, I no, can I... fix life in prison, yeah. albeit, you know, it's not going to be the most equitable of 
ways to fix it, but can't can't fix death. Yeah. Yet. Yet. <laughs> Yet. That, that would be another very fucked up thing if we could start fixing death. Can we? Uh, I mean, for those people that are for capital punishment, can we make the compromise? We can do capital punishment when Ted Williams comes back to life. <laughs> I think that's a fair compromise. I I don't know. I don't really have much to say on that topic. <laughs> Just kind of threw a lot at you. So. You did. That, that was a lot to process, dude. I, <laughs> I don't know. That was hefty. That was hefty. But, you know, we're going to do an episode. I'm going to do it. And I'm also weirdly obsessed with crime. So, yeah, you brought a lot to that one. One thing I think is kind of screwed up in this world. I I just want to put this out there because I think it's something that is difficult to think about on a daily basis. But as Americans, we take our freedom heavily for granted. One of the easiest examples is the recent attacks and conflicts in Israel where there's all the rockets flying back and forth and children are going to bed at night just praying their building doesn't get hit with a rocket. That doesn't happen in the United States. We argue about some pretty petty things in the United States when you look in the perspective of that and you could just be laying in bed, wake up, and there's a rocket blowing up your building and you're going to die probably. Like that. That's a very real fear for a large number of people in the world. And there's people starving every day. There's people who don't have clean water to drink or any food and stuff. I mean, as Americans, yes, there are a lot of issues in this country. Yes, we brought up a few of them today. Yes, I think there's a lot that need to be fixed. And there's a lot better that we can do as a nation, as a people. But on the global perspective, we have it really damn good. Sheesh! <laughs> I, All right, I was, let's, uh, let's talk about our random stories. Yeah, of the let's, week, let's just I'd transition. Say. Let's let's turn a corner. That was a heavy episode. We want to <laughs> end it with some fun stories. We we know that there was a lot to unpack in there, so take it piece by piece. Just know that we we wanted to highlight a few things that we look at each and every day, and maybe don't process enough. But now we're going to turn it into a little bit more of our regular humor, our regular storytelling. Matt, what is your random story of the week? So I went to Denver, right? Pretty, pretty uh, low key, you know, just a nice vacation, took a long weekend. My friends decided that we were going to stay in a hostel. I never stayed in a hostel before. Okay. I've never stayed in a hostel. What was it like? So, (laughs) so... It's downtown. It's right by Coors Field, the baseball stadium. That's cool. Literally two blocks down, dispensary right next door. Location grade A. Amazing. Oh, you're in heaven. I it's I was like, wow, we it's all right here. So we walk upstairs and we get in around probably eleven because our flight got delayed. And so the upstairs is a bar right next to the check-in. And our check-in people are the bartenders. So I walk in with my bags, frat boys everywhere, sorority girls. It was maybe a one to four ratio of guys to or girls to guys. So huge Ooh. sausage fest, basically. That's tough. That's a tough. Yeah, that's a tough scene. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But so I walk in with my fucking suitcases 
and the bartenders are drinking on the job. Good start. I was, Off to a good start. I, I just sat there and said, uh, can, can I check in? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. And then so we go over to the desk. I get in. We walk into the room. The room's actually really nice. Um, the bad news is I don't know if you know this about hostels, but um, you actually share the bathroom with everybody. It's a communal bathroom. Oh, how'd that fly for you? You're, you're not a big you're not a big bathroom sharing kind of guy. Luckily, I didn't shit the whole weekend in the hostel, so that I didn't want to. I don't know what those. That's are some impressive for. timing and self control. Uh, the showers were all right. The bad news was that every night they partied till one a.m. So if you wanted to go to bed early, sorry, too sad, not gonna happen today. The hilarious part was we showed up at the bar. I was, uh, my friends with me were two girls that are a lot more attractive than I am, right? I get hit on before them <laughs> in a fucking sausage fest. Kudos. And my friend go, looks Matt. over to me and she literally goes, How the fuck did Matt get hit on before us? And I said, Get wrecked, bitch. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's a big accomplishment right there. I know. Thank you. Thank you. That that, that doesn't huge. happen often. You got to take your victories when you get them like that. That it was it was legendary. It was actually legendary. <laughs> that was okay. my story. Cool. Uh, that's I, not a that doesn't doesn't sound like too bad of a trip. Oh, it was a good trip. I I love the mountains out there. We were in Boulder. We ate at a vegetarian restaurant. Never eaten at a vegetarian restaurant before. How was it? Honestly, amazing. Fucking amazing. Okay. They made they had like mushroom that simulated calamari, and I don't know why we're not using mushrooms to simulate calamari, because calamari sucks. <laughs> don't tell that to Brian. Why does he like calamari? He does. Oh. He he very much enjoys calamari. Brian, you suck. Well, we already knew that. Uh, well, here I'll, I'll jump into my story of the week to kind of finish us off. I DJed my first wedding. Oh yeah, let's hear about it. That's right. I yes, about that. DJ Cool AF is in business, and <laughs> can I mean, you repeat hey, that one more time? What's your name? DJ Cool AF. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't mishear it. Okay. Yeah, no, you, you did. We want the world to know. You need a wedding <laughs> DJ. DJ Cool AF is on it. But anyway, so this is my friend Lizzie and Chad, and they got married. Very excited for them. End goal of the night was was achieved. Everybody had a good time. The bride and groom were happy. Good wedding. However, it was a very unique DJ experience, especially being my first DJ experience. Other than, like, you know, my house parties where I just, like, put it on shuffle or whatever. And so what was unique about this is, one, it was a, it was a Sunday wedding. So the reception Sunday evening. And then two, the reason it was a Sunday wedding is because Chad's side of the family, the groom's side of the family, is Seventh-day Adventists. And the thing about Seventh-day Adventists, one, their Sabbath is on Saturday, so they can't do anything on Saturday. That's their holy day. And then they don't drink. They don't gamble. They are very, very strict with their religion. And apparently they don't dance. And they don't like dancing very much. 
I was told that they just didn't want to participate in the dancing. I was not told that it, it was kind of against their religion or they weren't in favor of it. Oh. A little bit odd to find that out as the DJ at the reception. So, so you're again, DJing for half the room already. I Yes, I'm already DJing for half the room. Because Lizzie's side of the family, they like to party. They like to dance. Her cousins, <laughs> her friends, her mom, and aunts and uncles. Like, they're, they're up in jail. So it was weird because we, we do the first dance. We do the father-daughter dance. And then I messed up, but it actually worked in my favor because I did the anniversary dance backwards where usually you bring all the couples to the dance floor and then you dismiss them. And so you have the oldest couple left standing. But I... I flipped it and I had Lizzie and Chad start and then I brought all the couples up to be with them. And it actually kind of worked. Okay, because I kind of like that actually. And yeah. Because yeah, then one, it brought people to the dance floor and then two, the oldest couples, they weren't dancing the longest. So, you know, give like yeah, their tired legs a little, little easier time. So we get done with the anniversary dance. And I'm like, all right, now we got everybody on the dance floor. Let's kick it up a notch. So I start like into some party dance music and I started getting the getting it bumping and the Lizzie's cousin is a wedding planner and she's done 300 plus weddings in her career so she knows what she's doing and then the wedding photographer was there they were they were giving me some good advice because they've been to a ton of weddings and they both come over to me and they're Alex hey crank this up like let's party and I'm like all right let's do it so reach over yeah absolutely so I reach over and turn up the volume, start blasting a little bit. And I'm like, all right, this is good. People are out on the dance floor having a good time. I'm getting my playlist set up so I can get all my party signs, party songs lined up. We're looking, we're looking good here. I'm not screwing up anything yet. And then Lizzie and Chad come over, the bride and groom come over. And they're like, hey, Alex, it's a little loud. Can you turn it down? <laughs> <laughs> so I say, yeah, sure, I could do that. And they kind of reach over and turn it down. And then the a couple of the bridesmaids come over and they're like, wait, what are you doing? Like, we want it, we want it loud. Like, can you turn it back up? And I'm like, sorry, I'm getting some mixed messages here. Hold on a second. And across the room, I can see the wedding planner and the photographer both kind of look at me like, yo, what, what are you doing, dude? And I, <laughs> I, I'm just, whoa, hold on guys. Like, I'm, I'm really confused here for a second. My I'm boss so... just said no. <laughs> yeah, like the, bri- the bride said no. I, and I know one thing with weddings, you do what the bride says. <laughs> so I'm still trying to figure th- some, th- some things out and they come over again. They're like, hey, it's still kind of loud, especially in the back of the room, like where the food and where the tables were. Is there a way to turn those speakers off and maybe keep the dance floor going? I'm like, oh yeah. So I, find- I figured out on the music or on the audio mixer, and I figure out how to turn off the speakers in the back. So that helped a lot. And it's just the speakers on the dance floor. And I got some party people dancing and bumping stuff. And I'm going for about five, 10 minutes and stuff. I messed up one thing because I cut in the middle of a song. I was moving it up the playlist on the queue. And I accidentally double clicked. And so it cut out of the song I was at and then randomly flipped over to the other one. So I messed that up quick. But we kind of got the vibe back after that. And we're, we're partying a little bit. And about 10 minutes in. The wedding planner comes over and pulls up a chair in my DJ booth. It's like, hey, can we talk? I sit there oh. thinking, I'm like, I'm like, oh, shit, what did I do? And she said, no, you're doing fine. Nothing, like, it's nothing you're doing. But here's the thing. And then she lays out to me that Chad's family is a bit taken aback by all the dancing that's going on. Because it's, oh. because they're not, they're not in favor of it with their religion. And 
again, that's where I found out that it was a religious thing, not just, oh, I don't want to You found dance out thing. mid-event. Yes. Mid-dance party is when I find out that it's a religious thing. <laughs> so the wedding player's like, yeah, so we want to try to we want to try to slow it down, like play some of your slower songs that you might have and just kind of not encourage people to dance as much. We don't want that to be the focal point of the wedding. <laughs> and as the DJ, I just kind of look at her and I say, so you want me to like strategically kill the vibe here? And she's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm So like, you want me to stop doing my job? Yeah, basically. So I'm like, you want me to stop the party? And uh, and everybody's having a good time dancing. But again, Chad's family on the other side of the room was a little taken aback by all the dancing. And so I delete my whole cue and my whole set of party songs. And I start queuing up like Ed Sheeran, um, some like casual Maroon 5 songs, John Mayer, Michael Buble, like all these just like chill kind of love songs. People can slow dance if they want to, but it's just... Like, it was kind of like my dinner playlist that I had where it's just casual songs in the background. And it's this really mellow and chill vibe. And when it switches, all the people on the dance floor just kind of look over to me at the DJ booth. And I could see on their faces, they're like, bro, what the fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> like, we were, we were bumping here. And I just kind of put my hands up like, I'm sorry, guys. We're going <laughs> to slow it down for a little bit. We're going to take it chill for a while. And again, I was told to not encourage dancing. And as the DJ, I was very, very confused. What was funny, the photographer knew the situation, the wedding planner and all this, but they were just making, they were giving me shit and making you fun of me the whole night. Basically, your colleagues of this wedding were yeah. like, bro, what the fuck? And yeah. then they like got, they found out about the situation. They're like, I guess you're handling it as best as you could. Yeah, yeah. It was, they were giving me shit all night about it for it though, because the way the photographer would come up to me and be like, bro, I'm about to call the cops on you for murder. Like, this is terrible. What are you doing? <laughs> cause I just murdered the party. And then I was hanging out with a couple of the bridesmaids. Cause I knew, I knew them. And it would be funny. Cause one of the like more upbeat chill songs from Maroon five or something would play. And they're like, Hey Alex, you better watch it. This is a little too much for them. Like you better tone it back on this night, like slow it back down. That had to be one of the most nerve-wracking, like, five-minute things. Oh, where they're God. like, hey, I was in I a complete you- panic because Chad and Lizzie came into my booth, like, two or three times. And they're like, hey, it's still too loud. Or like, hey, can we, like, play some slow songs or something? And I'm like, we just started. What do you, what do you mean? We, <laughs> I, we've been, like, I've done, like, two to three dance songs. What, what are we talking about here? Alex is coming in with, like, the bro tank energy. He's got, like, a whole 30 rack of bush. He's like, let's get this party started. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we kind of just want to have a quiet game night. You know, maybe yeah, a little bit of like, wine, maybe a little bit of cheese. That's exactly what it was. And it was fun. Everybody had a good time. And at the end of the night, at, like, 8.45, when a lot of people had left the wedding, then I cranked it back up, and there was, like, six people left that were ready to dance including myself. So I jumped out on the dance floor just to like make it more fun. But that's when I cranked it up and played some more party party songs. I will say the highlight of the night and what what makes me know that I'm going to be a good DJ is that we had some like party dance songs going at the end of the night. And there was one guy who was just super hyped because we finally got to the dance part. And he was like, man, thank you so much. It's been fun. I got to get going though, end of the night. So 
So he walks out the door and down the stairs of the venue, about to head outside. And next up on the list, I had Party in the USA queued up. And that starts playing over the speakers. The man runs back inside the venue. And he's like, oh, I can't leave yet. I got to listen to Party in the USA. And so he just starts going crazy with Party in the USA. And I'm like, all right, I did my job. I did my job correctly. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, is quite a, the first wedding to DJ. That is quite an experience. So that, if anybody needs like a chill wedding, I'm capable of that as well. You didn't even know you were capable, but you found out. I had to find out real quick. I was like, I was in pure terror mode when. Yeah, because you wedding... probably had all your notes. You're like, my notes told me bring the energy and I got to bring, I got to kill the vibe right now. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I get, I get the situation. I just wish I would have been told that it was more of a religious thing and not just, they didn't want to dance, but I felt so bad for the people that were dancing. Yeah, Cause you see it I as a challenge. Them. Yeah. You think they don't want to dance. You're like, exactly. I'm going to yeah. make them dance. Exactly. Man. <laughs> and the people who were dancing, I feel so bad. Cause I cut them off after like 10 minutes. <laughs> Luckily, I got through the Cupid Shuffle. Oh, it was like a 10-minute No, it was the Cha-Cha Slide. I got through the Cha-Cha Slide, and I got through, like, a couple other songs. And then they're like, yeah, you got to kill the vibe. And I'm, I just Oh, they around. killed the vibe, like, immediately. It wasn't like it was on for, like, an hour. It was, like, no, no, it 10 was minutes. Like, 10, like, we need this 10, is... 15 minutes of dancing, and it was, it was done. We had to kill it. Whew, that's awkward. That is... It, it was that very, very odd. It was fun. Everybody had a good time. The bride and yeah. groom were happy. That's the end goal. It was a great wedding. Very odd to DJ like that, though. Very odd. Yeah, just for you, as like new to the industry. Yeah, again, I mean, that was my first DJ experience. And I, everybody has been telling me the... I, I shadowed a DJ the other night, and he's like, yeah, when you get to this point, like, crank it up. Like, let's party and, like, get it going. And that's Can what I did. Can you send you... I need to send you the movie name of the Zac Efron movie where he's literally a DJ and he has like all, he has like this DJ brain. He's like, you got to match the heartbeat of the person and that's how you really get them feeling it. (laughs) And he has like the, the headphones in it. He's holding like the headphones to the ear and he's like doing the disc thing. Oh my God. I need to send you the movie link. So then you can watch it and you can role play Zac Efron DJ movie. I, I should. I will admit I'm a very low-key and pretty casual DJ because I rely on the venue to have a sound system, and I just build a Spotify playlist, plug it in, and MC the event. I don't have all the turntables like some of my friends do and things like that, but it was a fun experience. I'm excited to DJ more weddings in the future. I'm excited that they will be a little more lively, most likely, and I can do a little more like party and kind of wildness. The photographer gave me a really cool idea where... For the bouquet toss, usually play single ladies to get everybody up on the dance floor. And then he said, you got to time it right. But right when the bride is about to toss the bouquet, you you flip the switch and you switch it to move, bitch, get out the way. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that would be funny as hell if I had the right crowd. Yeah, you definitely need the right crowd. Too many kids would blow that up in your face. Yeah, or or this wedding that I just DJ. Like, mm, <laughs> or this. One. I don't. I don't know. Alex, if they didn't like <laughs> dancing, I like... <laughs> if they didn't like dancing, I don't know if they would have appreciated some of those other song choices. I definitely wasn't gonna do it, and he was just joking. 
But one of the groomsmen, and the groomsmen didn't even help me, by the way. They all sat on uh, the table, and they didn't even move. They were playing video games on their phone the whole wedding reception. Like, they, they didn't come and dance. They didn't do anything oh, to help me Oh, it must out. have been part of the thing. I don't know. That's weird. They were just kind of chill guys, so I don't blame Killing. them. But, but one of them, just as a joke, he told me I should play WAP. And I'm like, this is not the crowd. No, sir. Yeah. I would not go. I would get run uh, out quick. Yeah. <laughs> There's very few crowds you, you're you going to toss that song for. <laughs> At a wedding, nonetheless. <laughs> but yeah, that is, that is my DJ Cool AF experience numero uno. Well, I think that's just about as good as any place to uh, cut us off here. I hope uh, hope everybody had fun and kind of learned a few things. Yeah, I had fun towards the end. Maybe not towards as much end. fun towards with the, the heavy yeah, topics. But again, just to reiterate, those are our opinions. Those are some things that we just kind of see in the world that make us a little frustrated. And our challenge is to be better as society, be better as a human race and look out for one another to help in those situations if and when possible. And I think that's one thing that we're going to work for, not just on this podcast, but in each and every day. We hope all of you do it. For Matt Solomon and Alex Fernando here, this has been Mix It Up in a Pot. Thank you all very much for listening. <laughs>